Hello, welcome to episode four of the Jaded 1%. We're glad that you're joining us. I'm Dave and he is Joe. So Joe, I'm well, how are you? Not bad, not bad. Not bad, good. So it's been a little while since we've uh, recorded, but we're moving right along and we're already up to episode number four. So moving on up. Appreciate anybody that's listening and uh, sticking with us on this dialogue. So um tonight don't want to go overly uh into the oh i don't know complaining dark side but it's a reality it's a reality and anytime you say but it negates everything that you just said so <laughs> uh but we want to talk about some of the the frustrations that go along with um working in the military working in law enforcement and maybe even a little bit of the tension that goes with having a job that you love, a job that allows you to provide for your family, and then having these frustrations. So, yeah, there's no shortage of frustrations in these uh, career paths. Um, I think, you know, looking back on my time in the service, um, you know, I, I loved it, but at the same time, there is also this moments of just I hate this this is so ridiculous Mm -hmm. so um and on the military side it's uh silly repeated training over topics that we've covered but yet somehow the military and all their wisdom thinks it's necessary to do this annually or at their at their convenience not ours um and at the at the expense of other valuable training that you know, troops felt was more valuable mm-hmm. to them at the, at the time. And, um, I mean, we don't need to go into every single topic, but it was, it was very much a part of, of that life, you know, where, Oh, well, this is what we're doing today. Like, didn't we just do this? Yeah. We have to do it again. So we can check a little box to say that we did it. And the whole time we're wondering why are we spent spending time doing this versus, you know, for me in the infantry, why are we not <clears throat> working on, infantry tactics instead of, you know, sexual harassment that we have to do over and over again, mm-hmm. or, you know, whatever it is that higher ups said that we had to do. And it was all just, you know, because, you know, that's, that's just, everything rolls downhill. We know it rolls downhill <laughs> and that's, that was the box we had to check, you know? So, um, you know, and a part of that, um, the silliness that went th- with that, you know, is that you, we didn't feel like we were taken seriously at the same time. Mm-hmm. We were, we had to spend time doing silly training instead of valuable training. And, um, you get used to it over time. You know, that was, that's what, that's what was said that we were going to do. So we're going to do it, but everybody's thinking the same thing. We're just a bunch of kids. We're not, we're not adults. Obviously, we're not a combat unit. We're we're here at your leisure. We're here to fill your numbers, and this is what we're doing. So, yeah, and that's definitely I would say is true in law enforcement, and it's it's interesting because I well, I was part of a the training unit with the department that I'm with, and if you just took all the things that are like required. Well, first of all, law enforcement, generally you have a yearly number 
that you have to meet. And that's, that's right. true for a lot of professions, a lot oh, of yeah. jobs. You have to have X number of hours over the course of a year to keep your certification, to keep your um, expertise in a certain area. And in Kansas, it's 40 hours for law enforcement. And when you start filling in all the things that have already kind of been predetermined as, as required, you very quickly fill up those 40 hours. Oh yeah, totally. And it ends up being filled with things like, well, one of the things that seems to be the hot topic for us right now is this, is the idea of diversity training. And it's this like, you know, um, it, it, it has its place because as, as, as a police officer, we should not be racial profiling. I agree with that wholeheartedly. Racial profiling is wrong. It's lazy. It's harmful. It, it is just not the way to do the job. But we have had it every year ingrained in our, in our heads that you don't racial profile, that anybody that is in his right mind is not going to do that. Even if they think it's a good idea, they're not going to do it because they're <laughs> like, this is not going to be good for me if I do this. And, right. and I don't take that topic lightly, but sometimes I have experienced, well, so, so, so that seems to be one of the things that, that we have put into us and one of the places, one of the things that I have started to realize is I honestly feel like the people who are brought in from outside the police department to present on diversity training are more prejudiced, are more biased, have more of a bent towards, you know, thinking a certain way than law enforcement does. And what I experience is, is, is they think they're better than us that we're cops and that we racial profile because we're not very smart and we have this conservative, uh, you know, agenda and, um, that's just who we are. And, you know, they are much more enlightened than we are much more progressive than we are. And they love people. And so therefore they don't racial profile. They don't have biases like cops do. And genuinely, I've said this multiple times. I, I really believe that cops are some of the least biased people that, and I'm speaking from my experience, right? Don't know what it's like in some of the bigger municipalities around the world or even sheriff's departments or even on a federal level, but the people that I work with, I truly believe are like, do whatever you want to do. This is America. You have the freedom to be who you are and I will defend that I will defend your freedom to be whoever you want to be, but don't ask me to think the same way you think. I would say that's probably generally true for the military. Maybe not in every case. I mean, there's always going to be those individuals who think you know differently. But yeah, I don't. I don't want to say it's 100 percent always across no, the board. But but that, that's probably pretty true for the military as well. You know, my I mean, I mean, my unit was. I mean, it's just a bunch of guys. Or there weren't any women being in the infantry, but. um Generally speaking, we didn't really care. I mean, we had our own opinions, but we weren't certain. We were, certainly weren't going to. We didn't feel the need to necessarily force that on anybody else. It was our mm-hmm. our own our own thoughts. But you know, <laughs> the military is a pretty eclectic group as it is. You know, so <laughs> the moment you bring in diversity, it's thinking it's it's almost silly because I'm sitting there with, you know, 
a black guy, a Hispanic guy, a white guy, an Asian guy. I'm thinking, do we really need this? Yeah. I mean, and I wonder if sometimes those topics came up because of who we're dealing with overseas. Well, nobody necessarily sees color then. They just see the United States and then whatever country we're occupying. Mm-hmm. So it's really not racial at that point. It's more regional. Mm-hmm. Again, it's the silliness in the games that this is a mandatory class. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. Uh, the other thought that I had um, related to this was just the, the idea of, well, just that, that we're, that we're going to train this out of people. Um, but I, it, it, and it was, it was like, uh, I don't even know. I had it in my head. Now it's going it, to, it's gone, but just this idea of, I think the idea of training somebody this out of somebody is like saying that you can, it's like trying to housebreak a, um, a pet mm-hmm. enough training and eventually they'll get it. Right. Well, this is a little bit different than that, you know? And I, you know, when you're talking about issues of um, of society, issues of human beings, from human beings, about human beings, I think the only way you're actually going to get real change is if, one, that person wants it mm-hmm. and initiates it themselves. Mm-hmm. Or the Holy Spirit really just intervenes and says, no, I have completely different plans for you. Right. Because I think left to our own devices we are the way we are and most of us unless we want the change will never change mm-hmm. generally speaking that's not to say that we won't over time you know influence you know i'm way different now than i was at say 20 but people don't generally change unless they want it mm-hmm. so trying to train it out of you is uh um, well i believe it to be a fruitless endeavor and almost an insult because it, 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 it's it's saying that we don't have enough of our mental capacity to understand our, you know, what we're doing. We know what we're doing. Mm-hmm. We know when we do it. We just either care or we don't. Mm-hmm. Well, and I, so you just said mental capacity and that just reminded me of, and I think this is true of, of both military and law enforcement and potentially a frustration is it, I think oftentimes these are jobs that are looked on. Well, you didn't have a better option. Oh yeah, totally. Well, th- you, you know, if you were smarter, you wouldn't be a cop. If you were smarter, you wouldn't be in the military. Yeah, If you were smart, and, you would have gone to college instead of joined the military. And you certainly wouldn't be in the infantry if you had any oh, brains I got at all. That a lot. <laughs> my brother, my brother was in the, in the worked on aircraft and he gives me that trouble to this day, you know, no brains, but, the funny thing is it takes a lot of brains, which is interesting. And, and it's almost, it's interesting how even the military doesn't believe themselves in even that regard, because in the infantry, there's so many tactics you have to know. There's so many things you have to, the knowledge base is very wide because uh, of what you could encounter mm-hmm. and being able to adapt to the environment, change things on the fly. You have to know a lot. And yet the infantry uh, the score that you have to get to get into the infantry is lower than some of the others, mm-hmm. even though there's so much you have to, to learn over mm-hmm. time. Um, it, so it's, it, it's ironic that 
we're discussing this because I, I, that just occurred to me as we're talking that it's, all, it's as if they don't even take themselves seriously sometimes. Mm-hmm. And yet they set the standard. Well, how does that work? Because some of the smartest people I've met were in the military and we're all, we're all grunts. But yeah, we're just thought of as big, dumb grunts who just want to shoot bang, bang, mm-hmm. go kick in a door and that's it. Well, that's not as easy as it, you know, as it seems, you know, on the surface, there's a lot that goes into it. But I think that kind of maybe plays more to the political side of it and the, you know, the public side maybe plays into how ungrateful they are. They just don't understand. And so it's, it's easier to be critical of it than it is to actually investigate what it takes to do the job because mm-hmm. it's not simple. Yeah. It's not, it just isn't, it never has been. It never will be. So, yeah. And, and that's the other piece I think uh, with training is the people will ask things like, well, how many hours of X have you had? And you choose the topic. How many hours have you had? And I think there was even a while there where, on like one of my news feeds, they would compare the hours that a law enforcement officer had in training versus how many hours it took to become a barber. And why is the number of hours to become a barber greater than the number of hours to become a law enforcement officer? And there's, uh, there, there, it, I'm not going to go into the details of right. that because there's a lot of frustration even, even within that. But um, one I just think their I think their numbers were skewed. I don't think it was quite accurate what they were reporting. Um, I, well, I, I don't even know if that's a fair comparison, though. I mean, you're, when you're talking about humanity, I mean, there are people who spend their entire life devoted to sociology and psychology, right. and you know, um, um, you know, just the brain in general. Mm-hmm. Neurosurgeons who are devoting so much of their life just, to, and they still. I think experts and masters in these fields would tell you that they're still just starting to scratch the surface. Mm -hmm. And so when you're dealing with uh, the military, if you're dealing with, you know, law enforcement, how do you even begin to scratch the surface of something that seems so complex? Right. Especially when you add politics to it. Now you've just added a different kind of complexity to it. Yeah. So it's not a fair comparison to even bring that up. Because well, I mean, how, how do you, how do you know how to deal with a human being unless you were dealing with a human being? Right. You, you have to sometimes get to that point where you're just doing right. And for someone on the outside to go, well, you haven't had enough training. There's never going to be enough training. Yeah. I mean, the, I mean, everybody knows that we only use like 10% of our brain and yet you want us to know all of it. How does that work? Yeah. I mean, well, and that's, uh, so there's, there's, you know, I think one of the things they don't take in consideration is they're looking at, you know, classroom hours versus actually being in like the field training right. program. Uh, the other piece I think that they don't take in consideration is how many, you know, like I said, yearly, you have to be learning this job. You can't, right. you don't just go, okay, I've got my certification and now I'm done. Uh, that even, that's even another other other topic that I've dealt with in terms of, well, is this certified? And it's kind of like, well, what does certified mean? I mean, is it certified? I mean, according to whose judgment? Exactly. 
you know, because beef is certified. I mean, I eat a certain kind of beef because it's certified by USDA. Right. But my training can be done by somebody that is clearly well-versed in the, in the job has done it for X number of years. But someone with a PhD who, who comes in and says, Oh, but I've studied it for this long right. says differently. Exactly. And so there's the, there's academia versus actual hands-on experience in doing it. And if you have a PhD, I apologize, but it means pilot higher and deeper to me. <laughs> well, I, I, that kind of goes along with the military side of it because a lot of the training manuals that, you know, are written for, uh, military occupations are by higher ranking officers who may have started in that field, but they haven't spent a career in it. And so I think, I think the biggest way that I can describe it would be is that it, sometimes it just feels very disingenuous. Mm-hmm. You're, you did it at one time, you did it for a short time and now you're telling me how to do it, but you haven't spent an entire career here. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you spend a decade or better in the career and now you start to realize how complex it gets. And yet you left it after a few years to go on to do something else. And now you're telling me how to do this. Mm-hmm. And it, I think the disconnect is what makes it, you know, adds to the frustrations that we've got because they see something as valuable, but they don't necessarily see it from the perspective of the person receiving the training. Yeah. You know, what's valuable. Well, we have to, you know, I think there's, there's, I think there's probably maybe should be a scale as what's, you know, what has value over something else, but to send it down blindly as, Oh, this is mandatory. It's just, eh, whatever. Yep. I, I'll, I'll, I guess I'll get some sleep, shut eye while we take this class <laughs> yeah. and then move on. So I, I think we're both in agreement that training is important. Oh, definitely. For sure. You absolutely have to have training. It should be a continual thing. Uh, but the reality is, is political correctness, um, whatever the topic of the day happens to be, and maybe even who the squeaky wheel is. Oh yeah. Gets to dictate what training is. And it often feels like we are spending hours upon hours revisiting things that it's like, yeah, we get this. This isn't that, that complicated. And, oh, we really should be spending more time over here doing these things. Right. But because of all these other factors that seem to have an influence over the military, over law enforcement, we spend an awful lot of time revisiting things that really don't need the amount of time that they're given. I I think that, yeah, maybe it's a frequency thing. Things always need to be revisited to, to remind us, but some of those things I think need to be, you know, tethered with, you know, time. Mm -hmm. Do we need it every six months? Do we need it annually? Maybe not. Maybe it needs to be every two Mm -hmm. years. You know, it's just, um, there's a balance there that I don't think is recognized. Yeah. All right. So beyond training, what do we got? Well, the flip side of this is, um, you know, the job is frustrating. The job is tiring. It's exhausting. Um, it can be downright brutal sometimes. Um, how do we rest? Mm-hmm. Um, 
And what is rest? And are we actually resting or are we escaping? Mm-hmm. Um, and I would, this is a, um, a much bigger and important topic than the frustrations of the job. I think, you know, we can add an endless list of the frustrations. You know, we, we get a hundred people in here about the frustrations of, you know, military and law enforcement and it will never end. But I think what's more important is that, um, you know, if we look at things from a biblical perspective, God created the earth and on the seventh day he rested. So there is, there is validity to having quality rest, but do we really know what that is? And are we really doing it? Mm-hmm. And I think in, because these jobs are frustrating because they are taxing on us emotionally and physically, um, I wonder if, are we resting or are we escaping? Mm-hmm. Or, and, or maybe even adding, are we running from something? You know, are we not dealing with something that we're, that we're struggling with? Um, and I know for myself, you know, um, you know, my battle, my personal battle has been pornography. I hate it to no end. Um, it's frustrating. Um, it makes me look at women way differently. And I have, um, women in my life that are, that I hold very dear, but it's damaging. Mm-hmm. And I know that it's an escapism. And for some people it could be alcohol. It could be TV. It could be shopping. It, I mean, it could be any slew of things. Maybe it's, maybe you're a workaholic. Maybe you throw yourself more into your work um, and it's easier to do that. So we, we all have our things, but um, the reality is that we have to take a break. We have to have rest. Not, it doesn't necessarily have to be long, but um, we can only do so much before we give out mentally or physically. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's the flip side to this is there's frustrations, but we can only do so much. We're human beings. Right. We do have limitations. Yeah. Um, and we need to address the limitations. We need to recognize the limitations. So, um, yeah, let's talk about that. So, yeah. Uh, um, the, the one frustration that we touched down today is, is, is training and the expectation and this kind of feeling of like, we are constantly pulled to do things that we're like, okay, yeah, we get this. Why, well, why are we revisiting this again? So we have, we have frustrations about the job, but the reality is, is how do we deal with those frustrations? Right. And you're talking about rest versus escaping. Yeah. And so I know for me, many of the people that I work with, I think one of the first things that we do is, um, I, well, I'll just use the term that, that I think is, is accurate is we bitch about stuff. We complain and it's, it's kind of this mentality of, you know, if I ruled the world, I would do X and everything would be perfect. Same thing in the military. Yeah. And so it's just, it's kind of this idea of, boy, if I was just in control, I would do X, Y, and Z and everybody would be so happy with that. And we all know that that's not true (laughs) because inevitably somebody uh, like us, whether enlisted or an officer or somebody that was a recruit in the police academy ends up in a position of leadership, ready to change the world and make all these great changes. And they fall significantly short. 
Well, I think it's presumptuous to think that we have the ultimate answer because somebody's not going to like what we're doing, no matter what it is. So we may not like what this person's agenda is, but they think it, you know, they're on their <laughs> white horse and, mm-hmm. you know, but I mean, it is, it's cyclic. Mm-hmm. I think it just keeps kind of, it just keeps going. And so there's kind of this mentality of, we think we can fix it. We have the answer. Uh, we take this really worldly perspective from it. Mm-hmm. And I think as you hit on, there is a difference between uh, escaping and truly resting. And so um, I think one of the questions that we need to is, is, is what is the difference between uh, resting and escaping? And for me personally, uh, Joe and I were talking about this a little bit earlier of, so we're now in 2018, uh, 2016, uh, was a very stressful year for me, um, for many, many, many reasons. But on one particular night when my wife and I were out on the back patio and talking about, um, my job and being in law enforcement and the dangers and just the things that we're dealing with. And, uh, clearly, um, people are not as receptive and respectful of law enforcement as they used to be was the very night that the incident happened in Dallas, Mm -hmm. uh, where multiple officers were shot and they ended up having to take the suspect out by, um, being creative and putting an explosive on the robot and getting in close proximity to the guy and taking him out. And my wife was just sort of like, okay, yeah, (laughs) if you're ready to leave this, then go for it because I don't want, uh, you'd have to be in that, uh, position. But with all of that said, as a Christian, that's, that's kind of, I, I think the wrong mentality that is, well, I know it's the wrong mentality. I know it's the wrong perspective on things is this idea of, um, one that I can fix it or there's somebody qualified enough to fix it because really it doesn't, it, that doesn't happen from a human perspective. We, we don't fix things. It doesn't get better. Um, I think you have those rare instances where somebody rises above the rest, but, but ultimately from a human perspective, we can't accomplish what it is that, that, that we want to accomplish. And so, so how did you get rest from all this? Um, so ultimately, yes, I think that's what it is, is it's not depending on ourselves. It's not depending on the way our things, it is a surrender to God. And so that was for me kind of that first sort of piece is just saying, okay, God, I have no control. And while right now law enforcement is certainly a job that is coming under a lot of criticism and a lot of bad things are happening, I don't have, I don't have control. No. But you know what? That, that is just true as the nurse or the doctor that's working in the hospital. That's just as true for the teacher or the principal in the school. That's just as true as the construction worker working on the side of the highway or on a project somewhere. It, we just do not have control. 
And I think there's an element of I had to surrender to God and just say, God, I'm willing to be where you want me to be. And um, I'm done trying to force this. I'm done trying to make things happen. And so um, I think that's just the very, 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 very first piece in all of this is acknowledging to God that what I am doing, what we are doing is not working Mm -hmm. and that we absolutely need him. And it's like you said, we go to things like alcohol. Uh, We go to things like pornography. We go to things like uh, premarital or outside of marriage relationships. Um, it could be TV. I mean, it's anything that we do to just get away. I mean, even the vacation, you know, it could be something that let's like, Oh, I'm dreaming of this great Hawaiian vacation. And I think we've even talked about that. You need a vacation from your vacation yeah. when you get back, that it's never as resting and relaxful as we think we it's going to be. It's actually can be quite tiring, quite stressful. Right. So my, uh, my wife did a good job of describing this um, to me you know, what is rest? And she's, it was described as what is life giving, Mm. you know? And I think that's, that's key, you know? And I, the first hint that I got at what was life giving to me was in boot camp. Um, and it's stressful, you know, you're in a very, uh, you're outside of your element. And the first break, the first rest I got was more than halfway through when we got to the rifle range when we had to learn how to shoot and in the Marine Corps, they take it very seriously. I mean, it's mm-hmm. a, it's a big deal to shoot. <laughs> so, um, it was grass week, which is a week long of classroom work of learning just how to shoot. You don't even get to shoot at that point. And then the following week you hit the range. And when I hit the range, I had peace. Hmm. I didn't have people yelling in my ear. Um, it was warm out, but it was cool because the breeze was, you know, blowing. Um, and that was my time alone to be with God on the rifle range. And it seems silly because shooting, you know, a firearm, a rifle, you know, it seems like this violent action, but it was peaceful for me. And that's what I have learned is one of those things that is actually life-giving for me is, you know, hitting the range. And I don't get to do it very much because, <clears throat> let's face it, Shooting is expensive and I don't, I am not made of money, but I, th- I think we all have that thing that we just feel energized by that. We just get done. And there is this sense of calmness. There's this sense of peace. And those are the things that I think are, that's what's rest. Is there physical rest? Absolutely. We need to be getting physical rest. <clears throat> we all know that, you know, you know, you need to get your eight hours of sleep or whatever doctors say you need to get but it's not just that there is this mental peace that needs to be addressed and i would say that it needs to be addressed maybe even more so because you know your brain is what controls everything else you know your you know the ailments that we get we know that we can attribute it to depression you know um you know recovering from an injury we know that you recover slower when you're not well rested, when you're not up to mental par. So um, I, I think that's, that's definitely part of it. And 
you know, we need to be pursuing those things as much as we can, not as an escape, but to really rest the mind. Mm-hmm. It's because we can't, resting the mind is not sitting in front of the TV and watching for a couple hours. It, your mind is not at rest because you're getting into that show. Your brain is engaged in that, whatever it may be. We actually, I think that key thing, at least for me in my experiences is what, if I can feel at peace after doing it, that is life-giving. Mm-hmm. I want to feel, you know, just like this, aha, this, ah, you know, this moment where this can go, oh, that's it. Mm-hmm. It's, it's not a brain dump. It's not a, you know, an emotional dump. It is just a revitalize, a revitalization of, of who I am at my core. You know, and I think, you know, those are those things. Some people, you know, it's running. Mm-hmm. You know, it could be anything, but that's, you know, those are the things that we need to be making a conscious effort to try to pursue. And it may be more than one thing. You know, it, it has to be more than one thing for me because for me, shooting is expensive. So I can't just do that whenever I want. Um, but um, I need to be paying attention to those things that, give me that satisfaction of that was restful. Mm-hmm. That was emotionally charging for me. Mm-hmm. And I realized after those moments that I relate to people better. I relate to my wife and my children better. So why don't I to pursue those more? They don't all have to cost money, but why don't I pursue those more? Yeah. And I think that kind of goes back to those frustrations. What am I allowing to overcome me or overwhelm me? Well, the world is overwhelming me. The world is overcoming me and I'm letting it happen. Yeah. And I don't have to, you know, so there's this, this balance game. I see you have your, your Bible open once. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I, it, so, so I can't remember if I've said this already tonight or not, but one of the questions that I've been asking myself is what does this do for me? Yeah. And so when it comes to things that I do in terms of um, what, what I initially would say is relaxing, I don't know that that's always true. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, we're talking about this rest. Like what is it that, that re-energizes me, recharges my batteries, help me, helps me kind of be um, ready for the next day. I think that's a key word. Recharges my batteries. Mm-hmm. What actually Gives us energy. Yeah. Because I think vegging out on TV will do that for me to the point where I get like ticked off. If I get interrupted, (laughs) like, why are you talking to me? Shut up. Let me hear my, you know? And it's like, no, this is there's, and I'm not saying that the TV doesn't have its place. And I'm not saying that TV is inherently evil, but if I'm watching it, thinking that it's going to rejuvenate me and get me what I need, I am, I'm sorely wrong because that does not work for me. Right. There are things that I certainly enjoy watching, um, but I need to kind of put it in that category of this is entertainment. This is an escape. This is whatever it is. It is not rest. It is not rejuvenating to me. And um, as, as you talked about at the, at the very beginning, as we transitioned from frustrations to talking about rest was you know, God rested on the seventh day and in Christianity, Judaism, 
the term for the seventh day has been referred to as the Sabbath. Right. And in modern day, we, we view um, Sunday as the Sabbath. And that probably doesn't have near the meaning to us as it did to the Jews in terms of the Sabbath. Right. But Mark 2, um, verses 24 through uh, 28 deal with the Sabbath. And I'm just going to read that real quick. And it says, and the Pharisees were saying to him, look, why are they doing what is not lawful on the Sabbath? And he said to them, have you never read what David did when he was in need and was hungry? And he and those who were with him, how he entered in the house of God in the time of, I'm going to butcher this, Abathar, the high priest, and ate the bread of the presence, which is not lawful for any but the priest to eat, and also gave it to those who were with him. And he said to them, The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. And when it says he, this is Jesus. So Jesus is saying, The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man, another term for Jesus, is Lord even of the Sabbath. And I guess what I'm pointing out with this verse and what I want to say is, is I think there's this idea of the Sabbath or Sunday and going to church is this like, well, it, it almost carries a, a superstition with it of if I'm good, if I do what I'm supposed to do, then God is going to bless me. And I think even the Jews that are being referred to, um, by Jesus here in, in, in uh, Mark 2, they're, they're consumed by legalism. They're consumed by doing the right thing. Well, the, the first thing they said was they're talking about law. Yeah. Versus law. If, but, but, but if you go back to Genesis, it says that, and God rested. Mm-hmm. Didn't say, there was nothing about, oh, he has to do this. There was a, it is specific for resting. Right. And, and and so it became this like legalistic thing, this thing they're supposed to do. And I think anybody that maybe grew up into, into a home going, you're going to get up and go to church on Sunday morning can even relate a little bit to this legalism. And I guess in all of this, what I'm saying is, is Jesus is going, Hey guys, you're missing the point, right? God created the Sabbath for you. Yes, we're supposed to remember the Sabbath, and yes, we're supposed to keep it holy. But the reason that that is is because you will be rejuvenated. You will find peace in this. This is where you are going to encounter God is by remembering the Sabbath and keeping it holy and experiencing that. And it was designed for you. It's not this legalistic thing that you have to do. You should be energized by this you shouldn't be drained by this and i think um you know we're kind of getting close to the end here and we're not going to completely unpack this until the next time that we get together and we talk about this but it's it's kind of introducing this idea of um the sabbath was created for us and it shouldn't be a burden to us. And I think for many of us, that's what it, it becomes. Yeah. I think a part of it is, you know, how do we, how do we switch off? Mm-hmm. 
you know, and so the best way to do that is to escape from it, not confronted. At least, I, at least for myself, you know, I know that um, TV is an, a very easy way to escape the reality because I can watch somebody else's in this show. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, factual or fiction, it doesn't really matter. It's It's just outside of, you know, what I'm dealing with. Mm-hmm. And so it just, it's, it's always an escape. And I think, and I don't consider myself special. I'm not any different than anybody else on the planet. You know, I can't help but think that we all do this in, in some fashion that we don't deal with this. We escape. Mm-hmm. We don't rest. We escape. You know, we view as Sunday as it's not, and, and it doesn't have to be Sunday. That's just an easy day to pick. But especially for those of us who work in shift work, or for those of us who are in the military, oh yeah, we're deployed, and you know the the Monday through Friday eight to five doesn't apply to us. Oh yeah, totally, yeah. And but that doesn't mean that that we we shouldn't rest, and that doesn't mean that the Sabbath is not important. We have to find that and figure out how that works with our daily kind of rhythm that we have and what we're doing. Uh, yeah, that'll be definitely for you know, second part of this discussion, why this is so difficult, Mm -hmm. but yeah, this is a big topic. Yeah. We, we, we started, we, we started with the frustrations. And so for every listener that happens to fall upon the J to 1% and listening to this and, and, and are engaging with us in this journey, I think we all have our frustrations and that list of frustrations is, is probably, it's it's probably fairly significant. I would say so. Um, doesn't mean we don't love our jobs. It doesn't mean that we aren't called to what we're doing. It doesn't mean that we don't want to do that what, what we're doing. But those frustrations creep in and we start to focus on the frustrations and we embrace them. And when we're with our fellow soldier, when we're with our fellow officer, what do we do? we talk about our frustrations and we vent and your frustrations become my frustrations. My stories become your stories and we commiserate with each other. And we just really kind of get into this place of uh, talking about this thing, talking about these things, thinking about this is the answer. And while I believe venting and doing these things have our place, I think, God's design is ultimately what we need to tap into and say, how do I do this as an officer, as a soldier, how do I rest? How do I observe the Sabbath? How do I do what God has designed me to do? How do I, um, take things like, uh, drinking, like pornography, like TV, like, I mean, you, you just name it, whatever it is that we are putting in our life that we think is giving us rest and is displacing God is not accomplishing what it is that ultimately we want. Because ultimately what we want is we want God. We want him, we want his peace, and we want his rest. And I think if we find God, and I don't even know if that's what I exactly want to say, but if we embrace God and our relationship with him, I think one of the things that we are going to find is that the frustrations that we see as frustrations maybe aren't 
as big as what we thought they were. Totally agree. Uh, they shouldn't consume us the way that we do. And it's this, the shift of going, I want to live the way that Jesus lived. I want to live the way that God has intended for me to live. I want to be the man that God created me to be. And I think in one of the universals that I would say is true is everybody wants to be better. It's true. Than what they presently are. And I'm hoping that as we come back to this topic and we talk about rest and abiding and abiding is another term that we do divide that we need to unpack. Um, I think what we'll discover is, is that there is a better choice. God has a design and a plan for us that we constantly choose against. <laughs> yeah, I know I do. Maybe I shouldn't speak for anybody. <laughs> but I, no, I think it's the, I, I think it's the human predicament. We resist. Yeah. We just naturally resist. I mean, I, I, I witness this all the time. I mean, my youngest is, is, is five. Mm -hmm. I see this all the time. And every time this happens, I wonder, I wonder if God deals with this with me. Like, this is what I look like with God. It's one of the best. (laughs) Oh yeah. (laughs) Best ways to kind of put that, my relationship with God in perspective, but yeah, go ahead. Well, I, I I just wonder, you know, it, it looks differently because I'm an adult. Mm Mm-hmm. But the end result is the same. I just resist. You know, my youngest will say, I'm not tired. I'm not tired. I put him down to bed in two minutes. He's out. He's out. Yep. It's just like, I do this. I know. God yes, exactly. All the time. <laughs> why did I not do this before? Why did I not just, I'm tired. Well, then don't do that anymore. And I stopped doing it. I'm like, oh, why did it take so long to figure out? Mm-hmm. You know, I wonder, do I have a, uh, do I have a, <laughs> am I mentally challenged that I don't understand this? And that's not it. I am just, you naturally resistant as a human being. Mm-hmm. I do not want to do that because I think I know better. And the reality is I just don't, I have to submit in order to know better. And that's, and it, which is ironic because I force my, my young, my son to do this, you know, my five-year-old. And as soon as he gives in, boy, everything changes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's so easy yet. I do not do it. Right. It really is easy. I just have to say yes. I have this horrible habit of to say no, mm-hmm. no, and no, no, no. God and what He is. Oh yeah, totally all the time. To us, so. You know, it, it, it's it's a total fight all the time. I mean, it, it's it's a boxing match, and I lose all the time. Yet I, I, <laughs> I, I posture myself to think maybe one day I'll I'll handle this. Mm-hmm. I can't handle myself, <laughs> you know, and I always lose. And yeah, you're right. Children are. <laughs> You want a great example? Oh yeah, yeah, totally. All right, so um, we appreciate you uh, tuning in to this episode of the Jaded One Percent. Not totally sure how you found us or how you came to come to listen to uh, us tonight, but we have a website, uh, thejadedonepercent.com, where the jaded and percent are all spelled out, and one is actually the numeral one. So the jaded one percent.com and then uh, the jaded one percent at gmail.com. If you choose to shoot us an email and want to give some input on uh, something that we've said or something that uh, you agree with, something that you d- disagree with, something that you want 
um, some more information on or talked about even. Yeah, it, this is this is certainly a dialogue, and uh, we invite you to be a part of the dialogue with us uh, and engage with us and uh, give us your feedback. Um, and who knows this? I I always find it interesting doing a podcast because somebody could listen to this a week or two from now. Somebody could be listening to this a year or two from now. So, um, we hope you found it, uh, beneficial. And while we kind of, you know, scratch the surface of, of talking about, uh, frustrations and kind of that realization of our frustrations probably shouldn't be frustrations in the context of who God is and what he has done for us. Um, and then the kind of the bigger picture of how do we deal with our frustrations? Do we try to escape from them? Do we really rest from them? Uh, because God has designed us, uh, for rest as, as Joe mentioned in the creation story on the seventh day, God rested something that we call the Sabbath. And so, Next time we come together, that's something that we hope to unpack and take a, a, a closer look at of what it means to rest and be in God and be rejuvenated by that time. So any last thoughts, any other comments that you want to make before we sign off tonight? No, just uh, email us or visit our website. We'd love to hear from you. I know I'd love to hear from you. I'd love to see what the perspective is from outside of just the two of us. <laughs> Yes. So, all right. Thank you very much uh, for listening. And until next time, we'll see you later. See you guys. Bye.